and welcome to Revengers Friends from Work on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are my own. Please enjoy the show. You're listening to Revengers Friends from Work, the podcast with your host, Christina Zellen. In this episode of Revengers Friends from Work, the podcast, I'll be discussing what makes Marvel so special and what I love about it. We also have a special guest joining us today, Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron is a junior at Hopewell Valley Central High School and is a proud nerd. While her day job may be full, a full-time student, she loves to read, watch movies, TV, and dabble some music in her free time. In addition to Marvel, she is known to geek out over various YA novels, Star Wars, Star Trek, and old cartoons. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I just do want to say I did quite literally cry over an episode of Star Trek last night, so that's where we're at today. <laughs> Great to hear it. So, Aaron, what has Marvel done for you overall? Has it affected your character? Has it affected your everyday life? What are some things about it that you just love? Ooh, okay. I, is it bad to say I love everything? No, that's not bad to Great. say. <laughs> so I love pretty much everything about Marvel. I started watching Marvel movies mostly over the pandemic. I had started with Black Panther and Infinity War when it came out, but I didn't really understand what was going on without seeing everything else. So when I had a bunch of time from like March 2020 through now, I started watching all of the Marvel series and it got me through a really crappy time in everyone's life, which is really nice. That's good. I've been in the same boat that you have every now and then. My dad would just turn on Marvel movies and I kind of just sit there and tune into it a little bit, but I never sat there and like watched it in order. I think the first movie I saw in theaters was Thor Ragnarok, which was very late to everything considering that it started in, what, 2008? <laughs> yeah, but that's one of the best, so... And it, it was a good one to start out in the theaters <laughs> and then we basically just, like you said, backtracked from there and then got caught up in everything. really has just become my happy place that I can just escape to it. It never fails to make me laugh or cry, unfortunately. It's really, it's really good at making me do that. And it's also connected me with great people like you, who also, oh, you. also share the same love for Marvel that I have. Have you met anyone cool that likes Marvel too? Um, well, I already knew her, but my mother. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, we started watching everything together. And she really loves it, and we both love to theorize about it and think about what might happen next with the future projects. And when we were going through some of the older stuff, we tried to figure out how that would fit into what we had already known. Because we had seen Infinity War, and we also saw Endgame without seeing a lot of the other ones. But when we went back, we ended up trying to figure out how everything fit in like on our own, which is very fun. That's cool. My dad always takes me to see Marvel movies, and now he's starting to forget stuff. Like, he's not as good as he used to be before about it, so I have to remind him, like, Dad, we've seen this before. He goes, oh, really, we have? I'm like, yeah. And then just even with the TV shows coming out, my mom's like, should I be watching these? I'm like, yeah, sure. So she's somewhat into it, not as much as your mom is. She has a general idea of what's going on, but now I'm just like, okay, Mom, come on. Hawkeye's on on everyone's say, Come on, you gotta come watch it. So now I just kind of rope the two of them in. My mom has a general clue what's going on. My dad sometimes falls asleep and doesn't know what's going on. 
So your mom sounds like my dad. He just, he kind of gets it, but he's very confused. He, most of the time. Yeah, my dad, my dad gets confused too, and then he'll like show me stuff that he sees on Facebook. He's like, "Isn't this cool?" I'm like, "Dad, that came out like two weeks ago." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen it all over TikTok." He goes, "Are you on Facebook?" I'm like, "No, I'm not." On Absolutely Facebook. not. I'm not on Facebook, Dad. But another good thing about Marvel is that it showed me the true side of the actors who play the roles, because half the time, the personality that you see on screen is also their personality, like, in real life. Like, I swear at this point, they're, they're paying Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. just to play himself. Exactly, Tony exactly. Stark. That man is Tony Stark, and I will die on that hill. I'll die on that hill with you, honestly, <laughs> because he, he's such a diva. And I love it. Like, just seeing him just, like, walk out and, like, premieres and just do, like, like strike a pose or just, like, do whatever. Like, I, I just love him so much. And I love the Chris Evans-Chris Hemsworth relationship. Oh, they're bros. They're besties. It is so fun to watch them just do interviews, and I'm so sad that they got banned from doing interviews together again. It was so funny just to, like, sit there and watch them. And then, even when they aren't doing interviews together, like, they'll, like, pop up. Like, I remember seeing this one interview one time where... They ask Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, who's the hottest Avenger, and you just hear, you just hear Chris Evans say, Hemsworth, and Scarlett's like, oh really? He's like, did I say that? Way too fast. She goes, yeah, you did. Well, is he? Is he not? We'll never know. He's I up there. He definitely is up there. I personally love the Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan Oh my god, yes. Dynamic. It is so fun to watch them. Especially before, I would say, the press stuff for um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's technically Captain America and the Winter Soldier now, <laughs> but it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They were just so I, fun. I remember they put them, they started putting them together in Captain America and the Winter Soldier because they could, Anthony Mackie was actually able to get Sebastian Stan to talk. It was, it's, was it's always so fun to see them just totally just tear into Tom Holland, like the two of them <laughs> together. Sebastian was like, I've watched every single like Marvel movie except the ones with Tom Holland and I can't, I can't, I need to be in a certain mood. To watch those movies, I'm just, I, it's just so funny. Cause I know they're all joking, but it's just really fun. I'm like, are they serious sometimes? So at the beginning, I didn't know they were. So, I didn't know they were joking. Oh really? I really thought they just hated this man so much. I'm like, uh, guys, why are you hating on Tom? He's a really cool dude. And then I found out they were joking. I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. They just pick on him. Tom is kind of the Timothy. I keep calling him Timothy Chalamet, but Timothy Chalamet of Marvel because mm-hmm. everyone kind of kind of hates him, but acknowledges that he's. Hates him in a joking way, yeah. but acknowledges that he's like a very good actor, mm-hmm. just like a nice person overall. Which... Watch the juice box. <laughs> <laughs> I love the juice box too. That's fine. Something else I also love is the attention to detail in such a large story collection, which is something that I believe I'm not a super comic book aficionado, but I know a little bit. That's something that's very much present in a lot of these comics. And you see that manifesting in the MCU, which is something that's present in a lot of these kind of big series. And I think the MCU does it really well, yeah. especially in terms of music, quote, callbacks. Those are um, my favorite things, always looking out yes, for those. Yes, yes, yes. It's always so fun to be like, wait, I've heard that before, that's coming <laughs> back. Like it, it always like ties back to like the character and always like some big moment, whether it's like good or bad. That they always just like, oh, there's the music again. Like it's something like cool's about to happen or something bad's about to happen. I know I have not watched Captain America: The First Avenger too many times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like a fan anymore, where I know that movie religiously. 
I just remember seeing, like, towards the very end of the movie, I heard the music that played when Cat picked up Mjolnir in Endgame. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) They got that from that? Like, I didn't realize it at first, but then I picked it up. I was like, so they didn't just make this to sound really cool? They actually, like, used it from before. And I should know better at this point that everything happens for a reason in this. So I was like, oh, wait, that makes sense. Why wouldn't they use that music? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch that either. But it's really interesting to see how they'll use music from 2008, 2009 and still popping up in the current projects. Yeah. And, yeah, with these kind of long-term series, it can be really hard and really messy to try and do those callbacks, but I always think that Marvel does it really nicely and cleanly, and it works in the storyline. It does. It's very tedious to, like, go back and, like, okay, what can we find, like, scanning through, like, what is it, 25? Movies now, I think it is. Oh, yeah. It's at least 25 movies, maybe even 26 at this point. It's just so much to comb through just to pick out, like, those one or two little lines that can make a comeback later. Just like in um, Age of Ultron, when Cap is saying that we'll do, I will do everything together, and Tony will be like, we lose, we'll lose that. He's like, we'll do that together. And then they did say that later in that movie, but then they also said it again at Endgame. It's like, well, guess what, Cap? We lost. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we did it together. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, that's a lovely moment. <laughs> it, it was. I love seeing Tony and Cap's relationship. It was. It's nice to see. And I'm sad that it's gone. Some other parallels that I wanted to talk about mostly happened in Episode 4 of Hawkeye, so spoilers if you haven't seen Episode 4 of Hawkeye yet. There were a ton of Nat parallels in this episode. It was crazy and it was heart-wrenching and it made me cry because they did it so well. Some of them just just really hit home and it just really just made you miss Natasha even more. And I already miss her. I loved Natasha. It's really sad when she died and this just made me feel like I had to relive it again. So I'm gonna go through and just talk about the ones just specifically in that episode just because there were so many and it all just goes back to how well Marvel just does their job and just pays attention to those small details. And they just bring it back and it just, it hits you in the feels, man. So one of the biggest parallels I'd have to say in that episode was when Kate was talking to Clint about what's the best shot you ever took. And Clint said the one I didn't take. He talked about how he was sent to kill Natasha he had a feeling that she didn't want to do this, that she wanted out, so he couldn't do it. And he's glad that he didn't do it because Nat ended up becoming one of his best friends. And then just a few minutes later, when they're fighting Elena on the roof, Kate had a clean shot. Elena totally could have taken her out, but she hesitated. And Elena just kind of looked at her and just shook her head, and then Kate didn't take the shot. And that was the first time that they ever met. So it kind of goes back to the whole, what's the best shot you didn't take? It's the one that I didn't. So it's just a beautiful parallel of just two people meeting for the first time. They could have killed one another. They were supposed to kill one another, and they just didn't. So that was a beautiful parallel. Also, during that same conversation that they had, the music that was playing during that scene was the same music that was playing during Nat's death scene on Vormir. And that was really sad, because it just all goes back just to Nat. And then after that... Clint had these vivid flashbacks of just him and Nat, and especially just her death, which was a little uncalled for. (laughs) It did make me cry a little bit. It was a little sad to 
have to relive that again. Another thing that also happened was Yelena threw Kate over the side of the building, but she made sure she was attached to something because this wasn't really Kate's fight. She did she had no business with Kate and therefore didn't really want to kill her because she didn't really need to. She just kind of wanted her out of the way and that was a good way of doing it. But you could see the panic in Clint's eyes and you just heard him just like rush over there because he definitely had PTSD from that and he didn't want to make sure that what happened to Nat didn't happen to Kate. And it was sad because Kate's screaming, pull me up, and then he just remembers Nat saying, let me go. So those are another another parallel. And I honestly think that when Yelena was fighting Clint and Kate, she wasn't looking to kill them. She was just more looking to grab their attention, which is good because you could see the different fighting style. Once again, that goes back to just the details of it. So you had Yelena obviously got Clint's attention because at the end he says someone has hired a Black Widow assassin to take us out because things just got real now, which isn't true. He doesn't know that this is just Yelena acting out of pure revenge because she is blaming Clint for Nat's death. She doesn't know the story. She doesn't know what happens. What happened on Vormir. She just knows that Clint was there. Her sister's dead. And that's all she knows. It's just Valentina feeding these lies to her. So now she's out to kill Clint. And I really, really want to see a nice conversation between the two of them. Either it like happens during a fight or it happens after a fight when they both calm down. I kind of want them both just to sit down or do whatever and just have a talk about what actually happened so that way there's no confusion, there's no lies. It's just the two of them just having a conversation about Nat, clearing the air about what happened, and realize who is actually the villain here. Because obviously they're pitting them against each other, and there's no reason to. Obviously somebody wanted them to fight. They got their wish. So now they just have to clear the air about it. Another cute parallel was seeing Yelena with Nat's braid. She, Nat definitely taught her how to do that. That was really cute. that I love is not only their attention to detail, but their attention to make sure that none of those details get out. They mm -hmm. keep stuff under, they try. They, they try. try. <laughs> they, they try. They try their very best to keep stuff under lock and key. Most of the time they do a good job. It's the actors themselves that yeah. <laughs> don't do the greatest of job. You think they're actors, so they should be able to put on a face and say, just flat out lie. But the two greatest examples of not being able to do that is Tom Holland himself and Mark Ruffalo. Those two cannot keep a lid on the jar. They're <laughs> both incredibly funny to me because Tom Holland's spoilers are just more like he doesn't know what he can share yet. Yeah, he goes, he goes can I say that? Has the trailer dropped yet about that? Exactly. And he'll share like the name and there was something else he shared. He shared the poster. It's like, it's like, a confidential do not share. It's like, oh crap. And but, like, but as opposed to Mark Ruffalo, who I'm sure knew that he couldn't say that everybody died, but he was like, uh, yeah, everybody dies, and Don Cheadle was like, like, dude, 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 he's like, not, not everybody, dude, not everybody. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, that, that, those two are, those two are funny, because they're, 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 they're one of, like, the sweetest, most innocent people possible, exactly. like, they, they, they mean no harm whatsoever, 
It's just, it just accidentally comes down and everybody's looking at it and we're like, are you kidding? <laughs> Which I think Jeremy Renner has done a great job of making sure that um, Haley Steinfeld doesn't do a good job. Like, she's been doing a great job. She's like, yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. I was going to say, there's a really fun moment from one of the Hawkeye press releases, interviews, where Haley Steinfeld is asked about the possibility of a Young Avengers group forming soon. And she just looks back at Kevin Feige <laughs> and she looks horrified and he's just staring her down like, no. It's hilarious. I'll find a photo for you. Kevin Kevin has such like a death stare and he looks so intimidating. He's like, don't you, don't you so dare say anything or you're like out of count contracts. <laughs> he's like, you're gone if you say something. Like he... Like, they recast people, I'm sure Kevin Feige has no qualms about. <laughs> no, he would definitely recast somebody in a heartbeat if they said something like that, especially someone as new as mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld. Like, if it's one of, like... She is expendable. <laughs> she is she is expendable. If it's, like, one of the OG six Avengers, you can't... Yeah. You get so much backlash for trying to recast them at this point. It'd be crazy. But, like I said, Haley Steinfeld's expendable, so if <laughs> she did slip up that bad, she would probably go she would be gone. Yeah. And it's also said that they recast Shuri now, too. Well, yeah, but, you know... They had their reasons. They had their reasons. And I was reading some stuff about it, and I feel like people, not to get into the controversy, but people have to realize that if Chadwick Boseman is still alive, that would have put him at such an incredible risk. Yeah. Like, you really have to think more about the wider implication of it. Than yeah. just the it'll, one person, you know? Yeah, it'll just be different scenes. But I I really liked her actor. She played Shuri. She was great. She played Shuri so well. It's going to be weird seeing, seeing a different actor player, but yeah, we have to work with what we get. Exactly. So some of the other great things that we see throughout the movies is just the character relationships and how they like grow and take shape, even if they start out kind of rocky. Just like Thor and Loki, for example. Oh, like yeah. Thor... Thor loves Loki as much as he, like, hates to admit it sometimes. Like, he always has been there for Loki. He tries to bring out the best in any season in the Avengers. Like, look at this madness. He's like, we can still, like, kind of, like, save New York kind of thing. And he's just like, we can do this together. It's fine. He does it the same in Thor and Dark World. And then finally, Ragnarok, he kind of, like, realizes, he's like, this isn't really going to work. We should, like, kind of go our separate ways. He's starting to figure out Loki's tricks. He's like, he's like, you're becoming predictable now. <laughs> but, but then they come back together at the but end. But then which is they beautiful. come back together, and Loki's like, "Yep." He yeah. kn- he knew too. Like he didn't say, "Wow, you're here." He goes, "He goes, you're late." Exactly. <laughs> he just knew he was gonna come back. And in the beginning of Infinity War, I just think, yeah, I know, so sad. But it really shows how their relationship has grown because Loki was li- quite literally willing to sacrifice himself for his brother. Yeah, and, and he- it just it from coming from a place of resentment and jealousy to get to that is just really incredible to me. And just to say that they want he wants them to be together. Mm-hmm. It's like the sun will shine on us again, brother. And I was like, Oh god, I hate that. I one. got chills. I love that line so much. It was so nice. But then he died. Then he died. Then he died was really sad and it just set the tone for Infinity War <laughs> way too early in the line. Honestly. They should have waited twenty minutes. Just in the first three <laughs> minutes of the movie. Like you just saw the death and just destruction just everywhere and I'm just Squidward just yeah. making them all <laughs> it. But I really love a lot of the newer character relationships because a lot of people have critiqued some of the old MCU projects as being like nobody's actually friends with each other. Yeah, they just say that they all like work with each other mm-hmm. and they actually like, hate one another and they don't really care about each other. But I feel like you start to see that shift in like Thor Ragnarok because mm-hmm. A Tagalatiti is incredible. 
and be even in you know the name of this podcast friends from work thor is calling bruce a friend and from that point onward they all the characters honestly have a much deeper and meaningful relationship with each, with each other mm-hmm. and you've seen Eternals, right mm-hmm. they especially the whole found family idea they are so much of a family with like familial problems and they their relationship just really struck a chord with me that some of the other projects haven't done before yeah you could have ajak who's like the mom of everybody she's like okay guys we're all doing this mm-hmm. and no no advantage about to bad you have sprite who's like the youngest who yeah she doesn't age like she's literally she looks like she's like 16 or something like that and you have um, the actor is 16 actually really mm-hmm. oh wow i think she's supposed to be her body at least is supposed to be a 12 year old girl if i'm not mistaken oh okay then you have Icarus, who is like her big brother that she like looks up to, but actually she loves him. But in like yeah, family it, form, like exactly. that's kind of what it would be. As but especially like Sprite and Kingo are like mm-hmm. the two adversarial siblings mm-hmm. that like blew up at some point. Also in Captain America Winter Soldier, Kafka, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they really had a lovely blossoming of friendship. Enemies to friends. Enemies to friends. (laughs) Enemies to friends. To lovers, question mark? To lovers, question mark. It did look very questionable, honestly. (laughs) I would be shocked. I mean, I would kind of be shocked, but also Disney, as a whole entity, is being better about that recently. So I wouldn't be totally surprised if that was the token gay relationship by the end of this phase. You know? That would kind of be funny to see that. I just, I see it as a bromance. Yeah, I get that. You could, you could take it both ways. They, Stay they, with, like, Stucky. Yeah. You know? They they argue like they're a married couple. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, yeah, they are truly an old married couple, and Bucky is... Like, Bucky's old-fashioned, you know? <laughs> He's old-fashioned. He read The Hobbit when it first came out, you know? <laughs> and in WandaVision, that, similar to, similarly to Eternals, is an actual family, and it's interesting to see how... Wanda has that kind of familial relationship with parts of herself that, to a certain extent, don't even exist. Mm-hmm. So, while that may not be the same like relationship that we traditionally see in the MCU, that kind of internal dialogue with herself, I think, is really interesting and may set the tone for how we see characters in future projects, you know? Oh, I completely agree. That was yeah. a good point. Thank you. <laughs> Alright guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I hope to see you guys next time. Bye!